This is Warrior's Way Podcast, episode 41, and I'm James Eek. Judo, as a classical budo, or martial way of Japan, was intended by its founder Jigoro Kano to be less martial and to be rather a vehicle for the spiritual and physical development of man. It was deliberately designed as an educative system which gives built-in play to man's ability to demonstrate perseverance in useful endeavors. By perseverance, regardless of the superficial achievements of rank, contests, successes, prestige, every judoist can realize improvement of mental and physical self and can be prepared, therefore, to make a better application of his mental and physical energies in his daily life. Idealistically, it was additionally hoped by Kano that such things would bring about a more cooperatively harmonious society since it was composed of persons matured as responsible citizens by judo. Idealistically, as this concept of Kano's is, none but the most uninformed will argue that it is an acceptable one or that it is not worth striving for. But what is the direction of today's judo training? Where is it leading to and what benefit does it produce? Now, these are vital questions. Let's stop a moment and think intelligently about present-day judo. We must see it in comparison with original Kano judo if we are able to make a valid evaluation. Who, as among instructors of judo today, has trouble to delve into the facts and circumstances surrounding original judo? This is a natural beginning point, one from which honest analysis in comparison must start. Sources for this information, it is true, are hard to come by. For the decades have all but plowed them under and dimmed the light surrounding them. Yet the instructor who makes today's judo his life must be charged with the responsibility for obtaining the truth about original judo. It can be argued that even original judo is not a budo form. For the founder himself painstakingly removed that which he considered objectionable material and martial tone from his teachings, which went to form Kodokan Judo. Just what constitutes a true Budo form is beyond the orbit of this article, but modern day Judo is even less within the Budo sphere than was Kano's beloved Kodokan Judo. It's patent that no Budo can house a sport form and still be a Budo form. Modern-day Judo, with its concentrations on sporting aspects of Judo, fails to qualify at this earliest juncture from the requirements of Budo forms. Bad as it may, the deviation from Budo principle is not a vital essence for our discussion. And we must turn to the direct issue at hand that the direction of modern-day judo training as compared with the original intent and purpose as set by the founder, Jigoro Kano. Make no mistake, today's judo is not parallel to Kano's original product, not a mere image of it, and is more diverse than congruent with it. Having stated in a fact, there will be those who, though admitting that this is indeed true, defend the position of modern-day judo. The stance which they take rests largely on the word progress. 
what has taken place by way of modification, change, amendment, and so forth to the original judo is charged to normal progress. These defenders of modern-day judo plead the orderly evolutionary process which all substances must undergo. An entity such as judo, which undergoes constant handling by the multitudes, is seen never to regress, but to get better by the virtue of the improvements made to it. Their stance is debatable, but functionally defensible as they point to other sports which reflect similar progress. Records improve as times, distances, and performances get better. How then came judo go backwards by the same forces working in it, on it, and for it? To these defenders, I mentioned the handling of pieces of art, foodstuffs, beverages, and a host of other things involving mechanical dynamics. Handling becomes mishandling more often than not. And the net result is a deterioration of the product. And there are some sport entities which have gone backwards by mishandling. How does this apply to judo? Well, for one thing, the judo training system, as is in vogue in our modern day society, is in reality a cruel system insofar as it is wanton to recognize the inexorable decline of a judoist physical and mental powers as a judoist descends the chronological ladder as each of us inevitably must. Modern day judo training manifests in this cruelty by insisting that regardless of age or other bodily limitations, the proof of the judoist is in the contest. The judoist for advancement in rank and once established is more often than not forced to pay himself physically against opponents far younger opponents whom he is expected to defeat if he is to gain the advancement or if to continue his popularity via the route of respect to other judoists such an attitude has no basis in fact neither by judo tradition nor by physiological exactness. And it may be argued that judo leaders in any sector of a national movement who cherish this attitude and enforcement are actually straying away from the intrinsic purpose of judo training. With respect to age-old traditional Budo customs from which judo was designed, we find no lack of recognition of the limitations that increasing age brings upon technical skill. It's well-known fact among Budo expert teachers that a participant's technical life, his active value as a participant in any martial endeavor, is proportionate to the distance necessary to that endeavor. The ma'ai, or the distance, is the interval between combatants or an engagement distance which permits each opponent to apply his or her proper actions. The shorter the distance, or the shorter the engagement distance between combatants, the more youth and strength is required for correct functioning. Conversely, as that engagement distance increases, the need for youth and strength diminishes. The lack of age constraint is less a handicap. Judo 
with the shortest possible engagement distance. Sumo with just a little longer, Kendo with a moderate distance, and Naginata-do with a long distance are excellent examples and cases in point. Statistics show that top-level judo champions expire prior to age 30. Sumo champions find the end of the road between 30 and 35. Kendo greats reign up until between 35 and 40, while Naginata-do permits champions beyond the age of 40. To these competitive endeavors can be added others which do not actually compete against opponents because of the inherent dangers should randori action be permitted, but compete against targets. Kudo, different types of archery, they all operate at a distance of 20 feet or more. And the best in these specialties are the oldsters. Thus, ancient medieval accumulative experience empirical in nature acts in support of positive physiological truths we now must recognize. The barriers of nature definitely do not allow the skills and industry of man to approach them. As truths, they are worthy of the most implicit faith that can be given to human testimony. Man is not structured to continue competitively in efficient functions so as to operate on par with his chronological juniors in the martial arts. Judo training, therefore, which requires the oldster to keep competitive pace with the youngster, is opposed to our natural design. It is further tangential to that which the founder intended for Kodokan Judo. Kano accepted the reality of two types of Judo. One, an entity in complete accord with nature, the other substantially opposed to it. Kano defined these two types of Judo in a high sense, Jodan Judo, and Judo in a low sense, Gaidan Judo. With his definitions, he also cautioned that the latter type is more entertaining because it is less precise, plain to the mediocre mind, as more of a game and contains therefore less valuable disciplines. While it is technical implications are very similar to those adopted for the high judo, the endpoint of a low judo is a short road to almost nowhere. I'm not going to blandly compare the qualities of these two types of judo, nor will I approach the less tangible areas that though important, can appear too sermon-like and not interestingly readable. Instead, I confine my comments to a description of some of the major issues intrinsic to high judo. The reader is advised that they are qualities all lacking in the low form. Judo training, in the Kano sense, must always lay stress on the harmonious development of the body muscles. This can only be possible, possible by a study and practice of a wide range of techniques. Over-specialization in an, any area of judo endeavor cannot achieve this body developmental balance. 
In essence, this means regulated, balanced participation in Randori, Kata, and Shi'ai. Kano warned against a contest over emphasis and the laying of too much stress on the achievement of the athletic objective. He had two important issues in mind. One was that competitive striving to excel in contest would invariably lead to forced, unnatural, hurry-up training methods detrimental to the health. He urged caution against training measures which overexert the body. He writes, Those who aspire to be proficient in judo must strive to avoid unnecessary fatigue of body and mind. This is what he called functional disturbances that are surely products of overtraining for the contest. A survival of the fittest type of training was always opposed by him with great vigor in that it violates the principles of judo, the maximum efficiency, the maximum efficient use of energies. Rather, he advocated the natural graduated study and practice of judo. The idea of everybody as a Dan holder, as an approach to judo training, was not his idea for judo. The mass over-popularization and compulsory training by which everybody engaged simply must achieve, must acquire a black belt, never occupied his thoughts. Though he hoped fervently for solid and wholesome popularity of his beloved judo. The sacrifice of quality for quantity, that is lowering the standards to the whims of the public so that more can come into judo, was never his method. Judo standards exist, to be sure, and those aspiring to proficiency, those motivated enough to undertake judo training, were welcome in the dojo. The student had to come to judo as it was, not judo to be warped, to be bent and weakened, and then taken to the student. Kano, too, realized the limitations of advancing age but he did not seek to penalize such persons undergoing this natural process by withholding of judo rank or making rank achievement possible to them only through contest application. As age advanced, Kano graded the requirements to the individual, and no less was thought of the older judoist for his inability to keep contest pace with the younger, naturally more fit judoists. Just as robust youth is exempted from being perfect, technically, in kata, or in a wide range of judo skills, and knowledge that is not yet his to possess, as so the oldster, too, must get compensation in his physical performance to accommodate his age, especially in the contest phase of judo. What is deficient in randori or freestyle sparring must be supplemented by kata, explains Kano in technical notes. The narrow nest of Randori is not part of the statement, but rather the fact that the contest-bent judoist will permit and encourage Randori sessions, which revolve mainly about his pet techniques and its directly related tactics. No wide range of judo skills can ever be built by this training activity for it is a mental void.
health, judo training, and physical education must be correlated and above all must be superimposed upon the education of all judoists to realization of the fact that these qualities are to be respected, not simply the contest winnings of the judoist. The highly competitive pace as required by contest-centered training burns out and does long-range harm by leaving for its endpoint a mental skeleton of the judoist's better days. Western judoists are less steeped in tradition, which holds to respective seniors. In fact, it's regrettably evident that the Western judoist thinks nothing of scoffing at weaker judoists many years his senior, even sometimes when that judoist was his former teacher. This attitude can never be a fertile ground for the mature development of judo. As is intended by its founder, proper judo, to be meaningful, must take into consideration and permit a judo-for-all attitude, which gives full recognition to the needs of the chronological ages of the judoists' training. So that is from an article called An Analysis of Judo Competition by a man by the name of Don Drager. I think it's an amazing article for a whole lot of reasons, not the least of which is what can happen to a great martial art when too much emphasis is placed on the competitive or sport aspect, an aspect to many martial arts these days, more and more so. And if you don't know who Don Drager was, well, you need to press pause and do some research. Drager, simply put, was amazing. I grew up in a world that had no internet or YouTube. And for a kid who was alive with a passion for the martial arts, that thirst was filled by the books and articles written by Don Drager. Don Drager wrote over 14 books on martial arts and endless articles and magazines. He was a U.S. Marine. He fought in Iwo Jima. He lived in Japan, China, Mongolia, Korea, Malaysia, Indonesia. He even served as a martial arts consultant and double for Sean Connery in one of the James Bond movies. And he had senior ranking in a number of martial arts. And there's more to the man that I could go into, but suffice it to say that he put more life into his 60 years on this planet than most people could ever aspire to. When I was a kid, studying the martial arts, Drager breathed life into the coolest martial arts and the amazing things about it. This article, it's typical Drager. It makes you think. It doesn't just say what people want you to think. When we look at something like modern-day Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, for instance, and the concern by some of the most senior instructors in it that the art is maybe degrading due to the emphasis placed on the sport aspect, we can see a similar concern as what Don Drager was raising here. And this, remember, was written 
well, probably before you were born. Too much focus on sport changes a martial art. It becomes something that can become another thing completely from what it was. Of course, there are some who will tell you that jiu-jitsu is way better today than it was in the past. And in some ways, that's probably true. But in other ways, you might wonder. The reality is that just as judo had jodan and gaiden aspects, high and low, or external and internal aspects, jiu-jitsu, or any martial art today, must develop that way too, as should anything that is like a martial art that has this transformative ability. The martial arts, simply put, they should be for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a child or an elder. It doesn't matter if you're fit or disabled. There's something to be gained in the training, as long as it's done correctly, as long as it's understood and taught in the way that creates change and improvement in the individual. You can take Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and have a system that is so empowering, so life-altering, you cannot tell me for one second that you should take all the amazing benefits that it has and say that everyone who does it needs to compete. That, I mean, that's just lunacy. I myself competed a ton in judo when I was a kid, and I loved it. And I competed in my early, well, late teens and early 20s in kickboxing and karate. And I loved it. And I got a lot out of it. But that doesn't mean that every kid should. I experienced that myself when I was competing against other kids who you could tell they didn't really want to be there. And it bothers me to this day that maybe when I was competing, when I, you know these other kids at the martial arts that maybe they quit as a result of me because the martial arts should build you up it shouldn't drag you down just because I love competition doesn't mean everybody will it doesn't mean that some adults need to compete when they're in their 40s when they're in their 50s when they're in their 60s or their 70s There should always be that stream for people to follow if they choose, but the art itself, the benefits to the health, to mental stability, to self-defense, emotional calm, and a million other things, they should all be more important than the sport aspect. Not to say that the sport aspect doesn't matter. It should always be there. But all those other benefits, they should always be the thing that matters the most. When you are 99 years old, you should be able to train just as hard as you want and see your life improve and get all of those great, amazing things from the training that you can, that you could have done when you were 19. I really believe this. I also, as a teacher, learn as much or more from a brand new 11-year-old tiny girl as I do from dealing with the testosterone fueled, egotistical, 20-something guy. I think Don Drager would agree. I think he would want us to grow and nurture the sense of evolution of the individual, of fostering, developing moral and healthy and mindful people 
who are on an unending process of liberation and self-discovery. This is what real training gives us. That and so much more. Competition is great. So don't walk away from this thinking I'm saying it's not. It is. So is the youth and the energy that the youth have and all the things that are possible. We need to accept and foster for them as well. And we cannot as martial artists, practitioners, teachers, and whatever, turn our arts into something no different than hockey or soccer. There's a big difference between sport and martial art. Something clear and definable to anyone who has done both. I love hockey. And I do not believe that the martial arts is the same as hockey. It's different. That's not to say that the sport aspect cannot be as rewarding. But it has to be held at a more balanced level. And people need to understand that it's not going to be for everybody. I myself, I'm not a coach as a martial arts instructor. I'm a sensei or a sifu or a guru or whatever other title I might have for the martial art I teach. And I have a few. And that means something. It means something more. It's not to say that being a coach isn't important too. It is. But a martial arts teacher by whatever title is the bringer of light in the darkness. Steadfast against everything else fighting to keep that darkness enveloping all. You need to remember that. Make sure that the art that you train in is done in a way that understands that. Train with an inner intensity like your life depends on it. Because when you start to realize what martial arts means, what the art has given you, well then you understand that your life really does depend on it. Make sure that the art that you are growing, make sure that the school that you're part of, make sure that the school that you run is providing something for everybody the competitors, and those that are going to get all the other benefits. Remember that. So, moving on, let's go to the question of the day. And by the way, get reading about Don Dreger. If I'm just telling you a name and you're like, who is this guy? Man, you've got some reading to do. I can't say enough for the guy i wish that i had known him um and i think the fact that he only lasted 60 years on this planet that's a darn shame because i think 14 books was just the beginning for that guy anyways look into him you will not be disappointed i can guarantee so the question of the day is a good one well they're always good ones this is, I keep getting sidetracked from training. How do you motivate yourself to get to class? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you attack it. Seriously. 
The truth is there is no such thing as being too busy to do something. If it matters to you, you will make the time and devote yourself. Stop making excuses. I hate it when I hear people making excuses. Oh, I have to go do this. Oh, I have that due. Oh, this came up. Oh, oh, whatever. It's all just really BS excuses and that old bubonic laziness taking hold. Sure, sometimes you're going to be sick. Stay home off the mats when that happens. But if your training matters to you, you want it. You need it. You crave it and miss it when you can't be there. Yeah, but like I said, there's legitimate times when we can't make it. Maybe we're sick or we really, truly do have work and can't avoid it. The thing to avoid is making up reasons not to train. Oh, I can't train this night because I need to do this when you really are procrastinating with that thing and now procrastinating with your training too. How about just show up? No pressure. Just show up. Decide for yourself that you're going to do that much. I am just going to show up with a good attitude. Motivating ourselves is a discipline that we need to develop. It's key. It's like when you are told by someone that you can't do push-ups, but they never do the work every day to get good at doing (laughs) push-ups. Yeah, you know why you can't do push-ups? Because you don't do push-ups. Bubonic laziness. So how do you motivate yourself to get to class? Just get to class. Stop being ridiculous and believing your own delusions. Understand that people need you there. Your instructor is there. Your school you say you care about is there and needs you. It needs you. Not just your membership fee. It needs you. Stop being silly. Get into class. There you go. (laughs) Maybe that's the worst advice. I don't think so. It's what I subscribe to. Attack it. Get in there. Train. Get on the mats. You'll feel better. I guarantee it. I don't think many people leave at the end of the night training and go, oh my gosh, that was a waste of my time training tonight. I wish I had stayed home on the couch. Most people leave thinking, wow, that was awesome. I'm glad I was there. So there you go. Attack it. Keep that bubonic laziness away. It will spread. So that is the end of this podcast episode. So if you're enjoying this thing, hey, I got an idea. I say it every time. How about you, before you go and do whatever it is you're going to busy yourself with, even if it is getting to class, do a review on Apple Podcasts. Give this thing five stars and write some words like, wow, this thing is fantastic. Everybody should listen to it. Um, man, I love his voice. (laughs) I don't know. You write the review. Make it good. Um, the other thing, we have a Facebook page, Warriors Way Podcast. You just have to search for it on that Facebook machine and it will come up. I put videos and various other things there. 
Um, we have a website for the Words Way podcast. You can find things there like articles by me and reading lists of some of the cool things that we've talked about. So keep an eye on that. Um, and then the last thing is if you enjoy the kind of stuff that I talk about, I've written a couple books on the martial arts and training. It's not like step-by-step, if this happens, do that. It's more about how to get more out of your training, how to train, how to live a better life. So you can find those on Amazon. Uh, they're available as ebooks and actual paper books. Um, you can find it on Kindle, on Kobo, or just, like I said, go on Amazon. You can find it there. Um, and other than that, spread the word. I'm sure you have some friends and maybe some people that you just randomly know. Tell them about the podcast. It might help them out. Um, the more that you help out the podcast, the more it spreads, the better it gets. And that is your payment for the pleasure of listening to me. (laughs) And I'm not even joking. So, (laughs) Um, yeah, any of those things that you can do greatly, I appreciate. I keep a track on uh, or keep a look on how the podcast is faring, as in who's listening, amount of people that have listened, all-time listens, all that kind of stuff. Um, We're well over 6,000 listens, which is crazy for a podcast that hasn't even been around for a year yet. Um, So things are good, but they will be better, and it gets better if you help it out. So if you have a question of the week, for instance, send me a message on Facebook, um, and I will potentially answer your question. Um, or anything else for that matter. Um, you can find us on Instagram, but we are under under the Eek Academy of Martial Arts. Um, it's just easier that way. I'm not some social media groupie. So I post stuff the easiest way possible. <laughs> um, but maybe I need to get with the times and have multiple... Instagram things too. I don't know. I'd rather devote my time to training and teaching. But what do I know? So anyways, if you'd like to see all that stuff, look for us on Instagram too. And I think that is where we will end this episode. So get out there. Get on the mats. Don't come up with excuses not to. Look at your training and what the reasons are for why you train and how you train. If there are people that are older or younger, new or whatever, um, help them out. That's what all of this is about. I think that would make Don Drager pretty happy. It's not about trying to show how awesome you are in every aspect of your life. It is sometimes more about how you inspire others by the little things. And with that in mind, get out there, have fun, train hard, be a good friend. Take care.